Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Um, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, special shout out actually to my friends who reach out to me about the podcast. Chrissy, Tolly, Psychic, uh, who I've interviewed on here before was listening. Um, my friend Sparrow, my hairdresser from LA was listening. Um, and my friend, Mrs. Harding, I just like to call her by her married name. Um, uh, fun, cute, gay wedding, good pictures. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, today I'm talking about how everyone is a mess. And this topic was inspired because I had a great conversation with a friend of mine who's in, um, their mid twenties, I want to say, and um, I, they were just like kind of, you know, a little bit of, there was just a confession of like a messy situation or messy life, right? And I was like, you weren't fooling me. I never thought that you weren't a mess because here's the secret. Everyone's a mess. Um, it's really remarkable how we live in this like social media culture where people are just showing you their highlight reel, right? Like they'll keep showing the same pictures again and again at different times. Um, and it's just content, right? Like it's not actually meant to be a summary of their lives. Everyone has ups and downs. Um, and you know what, here's what, like some people are out there to make their life a mess. Like some people are really addicted to chaos. That is a real thing. Some people really, um, aren't mature enough to avoid drama. And so their life is messier than other people's. But you know what, like, here's what I realized when my friends started dying, I was 27, um, and that is just, I always say it so frankly, because that's just what happened. It just started happening. There's like, you can't argue with death. That's just a thing that happens for everyone. Um, and when you are a fat queer person and your friends are fat, queer, gender nonconforming folks, like those are people who are very much um, not serviced uh, well or lovingly by the medical industrial complex. In fact, our bodies are seen frequently as disposable. Um, and so those people don't get the medical help they need. So, you know, part of that, plus also, you know, when you live in an oppressive society, trauma, um, is experienced from that. Um, I truly believe that, uh, people who are, who live at the intersection of multiple oppressive identities experience, uh, PTSD from that. Um, and, um, and that's just, those are just frank realities, right. Of like the, the world I live in. Um, and so my friend started dying and I started realizing, um, I was on the Savage Love podcast. For any of you who know who Dan Savage is, have ever listened to that podcast, I'm like, I think I'm episode 88. I want to say it's like a good, nice double number. Um, but it's in the 80s somewhere. And um, maybe it's 82. I don't know. Now it's 89. Who knows? Whatever. You can find me. Um, he calls me a quote unquote lesbian uh, spiraling in uh, psychodrama. Um, and that's what Dan Savage called me. And it's true. I was dealing with a lot of drama, um, but I was very inspired by something he had said in his mother's obituary about how she taught him how to have a bionic bullshit detector. And I really wanted to know how, because I felt like I just, I felt like I was experiencing that a lot of people I trusted were betraying me. And I'll say this, this is what I've learned um, at 41. I learned that I learned this year that betrayal is just uh, when someone's actions didn't line up with your expectations. But the thing is, I was expecting things from people who didn't deserve my expectation, my patience, my grace, or um, anything from me, right? Like they were treating me like trash and I was letting them. 
Um, and people will value you the way that you value yourself. And a lot of people give discounts to that. Um, and when you learn to value yourself, when you raise your self-image, um, drama kind of falls away because people who um, want to create drama or in your life to like cause drama or like, I mean, I can't, you should listen to that Savage Love podcast. I had a really chaotic romantic life at that time. And um, it's, I'm not even going to get into it now, but um, it was just one of those things where like, I was like bringing it onto myself. I was like attracted to these people who were not good for me um, and were wreaking havoc. And it was causing chaos in my life. And I kind of realized I was like, I think this is optional. But the stuff about my friends dying, that's not optional. That's just what's happened. Um, and so I just started getting uh, my priorities in order in terms of where I put my mental energy. Um, and, you know, you attract what you are. Uh, so I became less dramatic <laughs> and um, wanted more chill and peace in my life and frankly wanted to be more effective. And I knew anytime you're dealing with drama, you are siphoning off your energy. You are giving your energy away. Um, and, and some drama is inevitable. Like we all have like family and life circumstances that create hardships for us. Life is always going to life at you. Life is profoundly unfair, right? Like in some seasons are like, I like to call them shit storms um, because it just feels like it's one shitty thing after another. My 2019, <laughs> go back and listen to the archive of this podcast. Um, we're on episode 62 now, I think. Um, and that I just had a shit storm of a year. And sometimes it just feels like one thing after another coming at you. But I'll say like, um, you can mitigate a lot of the stuff that comes at you. A lot of the things that people tolerate um, in their messes uh, are not things that I would tolerate. I'll say that. But Life is messy and everyone is messy. And something that was fun about uh, being a lawyer <laughs> back in the day, I guess I'm still a lawyer, being a practicing attorney, because I'm no longer a practicing attorney. I will always be a lawyer because they won't let me sell my law degree and give it to some future lawyer because uh, law schools want to make money. So that's why I, I, this is not the why you shouldn't go to law school podcast. But I could do that podcast. Anyone out there who's thinking about going to a law school, please email me, fatkiddanceparty at gmail.com. I will totally set up a virtual cup of tea with you and tell you um, some options uh, to not go to law school or at least like help you really understand what you're getting into. Um, I had a lot. I had like a dozen people tell me not to go to law school. Clearly it didn't work. I still went to law school. And when I was a lawyer, I was a real estate lawyer um, in New York and New Jersey. And I was going all over the New York metro area doing real estate closings. Um, and I met a lot of celebrities. Um, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to tell you how regular those people are. They are just like regular people and they want to be treated like regular people. I mean, I guess some of them probably don't, but most of them just want to be regular people, right? Like celebrity is such a weird thing. We have this weird society where we're obsessed with celebrity and we discount wisdom. And frankly, I'm here for people uh, who are wise and I'm not here for people who are just famous um, because it's all an illusion. Everyone is messy. Um, something I'm really... Uh, a concept I'm super into is uh, the idea of humble excellence. Um, I heard about this in a, it's on the Oprah Super Soul podcast uh, with Cheryl Strayed. I don't know how long ago it was. I was living in LA, so it's more than a year ago. Uh, can you, I can't even believe I've lived up here in the woods for over a year. Uh, I, I, I rarely go back in time and listen to my very old podcast episodes, but I was scared. I was so scared to make this transition and this choice. And it has turned out to be so great. Like it's been so much, the results of my life are still not quite where I thought they would be by now, but that's true for every goal I've ever set. I didn't hit it when I thought I would. Um, it's, 
except for graduating from law school. I did hit that on time. Um, but, and passing the bar in two states. I did that. On, I, but I had also told myself like now or never, like if you don't pass the bar, we're just going to pick something else. And so somehow I ended up passing the bar. Um, anyway, humble excellence is just basically this idea that you are the same as everyone else. You're not better or worse than anyone. So this is where you have to have a hearty self-image where you see yourself as this, like, I like to see myself, this is my belief system. I believe I'm an imperfect child of God. I don't need to be perfect to be loved. I don't need to be perfect to be valuable. I'm already valuable just inherently. Um, and, um, but I also believe that there is no other human that has more or less value than me, right? Like we're all the same in terms of value as human beings. Um, but excellence is a different thing. Excellence, I think is something everyone is capable of. Um, and everyone's excellence looks different. I, I want to point that out too, because everyone has a different calling on their life and a different purpose and a different dream. And um, excellence is just something that you can choose to do. Um, excellence is not watching Netflix every night, right? Like you're not going to hit your excellence if you are kind of like frittering your time away. You hit excellence by really like getting 1% better every day, by being prioritizing your time, by learning more, by applying more. It's not just about learning. It's about going out and doing and noticing and and getting into it. So, and it's really excellence is like leveling up from good to great, right? And I'll say I hit excellence nowhere in my life growing up. Like I was, well, maybe I had excellence in Girl Scouts, right? Like, and I was great at Girl Scouts. I was great at um, leadership, right? But I wasn't like, I was not passionate about academics. So I, I did pretty good considering that was kind of how I felt like all the way through law school. Actually, my, my law school roommate and I used to have this joke about pretty good considering, but I can't imagine if that was on my tombstone, I'd be quite proud of that. Um, but that's kind of how I felt like the whole time I was practicing law. I didn't, it wasn't my, it wasn't why I was here on this planet and it offered nothing that I thought it would like job security. That's a myth that your job can disappear tomorrow. That's just true, right? Um, and anyway, and also lawyers, like people want to look at lawyers and think they're doing so great, but lawyers have four times the national rate of suicide um, and wild alcoholism rates and drug addiction. I have never been exposed to hard drugs in my entire life until I was in law school. So I just want to tell you, they are a miserable bunch of people. Do not be fooled by status. And also like a person walking around with a Fendi bag you don't know that they're happy at home, right? Like you don't know what their life is like. And also who cares about a Fendi bag? Like, I mean, frankly, I never want one. <laughs> I'll say this now, like I just have no desire. Like, it's not like I don't want nice things or quality things, but like for me, I'd rather like uh, have a nice quality, like $200 purse made by an artisan craft person, right? And then like go buy a single mama car. I don't know how much Fendi bags cost. It sound, they sound expensive, but anyway, um, and, and I'm not shading you. If you want a Fendi bag, you go get it. You live your excellence. Like whatever that means to you, like living a life in alignment with your value. But I think so often we get caught up in this vision of like who people are and what they are. But every single person is dealing with mess. Like life is messy. Like the people in your life don't line up. Everyone has something they're growing through. Um, and also like, I, I believe that we're constantly called to be better. Like the, I, I study Abraham Hicks a lot and Abraham Hicks is always talking about how we launch these rockets of desire. Every time we have a, a, a desire, it's just like kind of put into our, our vibrational vortex. And then um, we have to believe in it. And then eventually we'll see it come to pass. Um, and you have to do a little something for the universe to work with. But essentially like if you're in your flow, this life, 
unfolds for you. And they talk about how by design, we're supposed to continue to have experiences we don't like so that we are introduced to the things that we would prefer. And that's how we create more desire. And the human condition is to constantly be creating more desire. How do you create more desire? Opposition, right? Like, so as, and as we keep having desires, we need to become a new version of ourselves. Um, that I, I think I talk about this all the time on the podcast, but it's worth repeating every time that change is just the process of life. And when you're not changing, you're actually going backwards because the world is constantly changing. So whenever the world is changing, and if you're just like, you know, that Pearl Jam song, elderly woman sitting at a counter in a small town. Um, she, I changed by not changing at all, right? Like she just didn't change. The world changed around her and then she went backwards. That's what I always think of when I think about that. So just remembering that like part of growth is discomfort and part of discomfort is mess. And like also nobody has all of their balls in the air, like juggling at the same time. Like um, there will be like, if you, if someone's like really nailing it, like in all these areas of their life, but their house is probably messy, right? Like there's a lot, like I used to have these wild expectations of who I was going to be and how my life is going to be. And I constantly let myself down because my expectations weren't reasonable. Now I kind of have a reasonable picture of life, right? I'm work I'm actually working really hard to keep my house clean because I live in a tiny house. So it's easier um, and have more festive decoration around and like have less clutter just simply because I know it helps my mind be happy. But I'm also I, I have that intention and I'm looking at all these dishes that I did do. They're clean, but they're just sitting around in the kitchen drying out. Um, and I'll also say my life is kind of a mess. Like today I blew, uh, I was supposed to send an email to my email list this morning. And then I just totally blew it because I found mold growing in my closet, which is a big problem. I live in an RV. Um, I've learned a lot about moisture in an RV. Uh, I have to get a D my entire Christmas is now going to be this dehumidifier, uh, that my mom is getting me, which is totally fine. That's what I need to live comfortably in my home. So I don't get mold on my tutus. I have these beautiful tutus, uh, that I've had for like many years. I used to work at a plus size resale clothing store and we had access to a wholesale plus size like crinoline uh, company. Crinolines, I don't know if you know, are pretty expensive. Um, and so I got them wholesale prices. These like, they cost like $150, $200 for these fancy square dancing in plus size crinolines, right? They're really nice and floofy. And I like to wear them to uh, teach aerobics. And I had a couple in the closet just because they make me happy. They should, they they could have been in storage and they were not. So um, one of them, apparently mold only grows on natural fibers um, and it is a synthetic fiber. So I'm curious like how the mold is growing. And I'm like, is it just dirt from like some camping trip I was on when I was wearing my tutu and that's growing? I don't know. I've now soaked it in vinegar. I scrubbed my... Um, scrub my closet with bleach. Uh, we're trying, we're trying to fix it. So anyway, it just, it's messy because it's a learning curve, right? And part of life is learning curves and learning curves are not pretty. This is why at Fat Kid Dance Party, my aerobics class, we cheer for awkward because awkward is good. Awkward is growth. Awkward is doing the next right thing. That's going to level you up. Uh, it's why you're here. You're not here to play small. You're here to be who you're meant to be. And you're here to be a little bit better every single day. Uh, whatever that means to you. Um, and I just want you to remember that like you can't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Like we, I think we're like so isolated these days. I mean, I feel less isolated simply because I'm like very actively online socializing um, in things. Um, but like 
pretty much everyone's pretty isolated and just seeing this like kind of social media version of people's lives, which is not their real life. You're not seeing their fights with their kids or their fights with their partners or like whatever. Right. Um, and I'll say this too, like fighting with your partner, fighting with your kids, those are optional choices. Um, you don't have to get into it with people. Um, and it takes a lot of emotional maturity to walk away from fighting and to learn new ways of communicating and to pick up a book. The book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, will change your life. You think you know what it says, and then you read it and you're like, oh, dang, there's a lot that I've learned in life, but then there's also other stuff I haven't figured out. The first chapter is about how nobody ever wants to be criticized. It's totally true. If someone wants your honest feedback, they're gonna ask you, but um, I was raised thinking that criticism was a form of love, and I had to unlearn that. Um, and that was something that was passed down from generation to generation. I am, and so here's a, a funny thing is that I am a Capricorn, uh, I love being a Capricorn simply because my grandmother was a Capricorn and she taught me to love being a Capricorn. Grandmother's mom was a Capricorn. Grandmother's grandmother was a Capricorn. So we have this long line of bossy Capricorn women. And then my mom, who's a cancer, um, the opposite, uh, the exact opposite sign. Uh, and then there's me again, another Capricorn. So, um, and you know, Capricorns are bossy, but also a legacy of alcoholism. There's a lot of perfectionism along with that. Also white supremacy. Can't, can't deny that. That's also perfectionism. Um, and criticism is not, uh, it's basically, I'm working really hard to never criticize and never complain. Uh, the only people I complain to are uh, people who are coaching, mentoring, or therapizing me. Um, and everybody else, I just keep it positive. Because the things I need to complain about, I'm going to go and do it with someone who I have a constructive, growth-oriented relationship with who's going to help me have the perspective that I need. Um, and I'll say this, too, when you're thinking that everyone else isn't a mess and you're a mess, um, just dig into some gratitude. Uh, do a gratitude list, maybe even every night. Like I try to go to bed these days, um, just literally thinking about what I'm grateful for. And when I wake up in the morning, it's part of my meditation routine now is just to like throw in some gratitude for things. And it's not a lot, but like it gets me into that frame of mind where like I'm focusing on what's right and what's working. Um, I pulled a tarot card the other day. Um, I was doing like a past, present, future reading. Um, and I pulled uh, a five of cups for the future. Um, and then I asked some more clarifying questions about like what was going on. But the five of cups card, typically in a typical deck, uh, you'll see five cups, but two are standing upright and three are toppled over. Um, and the real message from that card that I always take away is uh, the need to focus on the two full cups instead of focusing on the ones that spilled. Um, and that's where um, it's just helpful to remember everyone's got some spilled cups in their life. Nobody is killing it. Um, even if they seem like they're killing it, they might be in anguish. Like, um, I read Mariah Carey's autobiography and she wrote all I want for Christmas is you about her really effed up family. Like I like couldn't believe how terrible they were based on her. Like, I mean, it's, it's her reporting in her memoir and that they inspired that song. So I was like, wow, like you made some greatness out of a really, really hard situation. Um, so I just want to say, like, everyone's going through it. Um, focus on on where where you're doing well and let your focus be on that, on your strengths. Um, and like, and obviously, like, you're desiring to get better, you're leveling up and all of that. But like, really, what are your big cups? Like, I kind of realized in the last, um, thanks actually to one of my besties, Spunky, if you're listening to this, I love you. Uh, it was her birthday. She's a Scorpio. Um, and we were chatting and she was just saying like, God, your relationship with your mom is incredible. And what a success. And I was like, 
my God, you're right. Because I'll tell you this, four years ago, um, I would never have believed I would live down the street from my mom, that I would enjoy her so much that we could be friends that I could trust her. Like I would need, I needed my partner to be with me and like, shout out to my ex. Like she really was a great bridge with my mom and like helping to create like a safe space, right? Like, cause your partner can frequently be like your emotional support animal. And she's also a really good people person. And really helped me build a bridge with my mom and start learning how to trust her. Um, I lived across the country from her for a very long time. And when I was a teenager, we fought uh, two out of every three conversations was a fight, like a screaming fight. Um, and it was, it was ugly. And, and that's not an exaggeration. Like there was a week where I like reflected and I was like, oh my God, it really is. Like we can't talk at all. Um, and that's so sad, right? Like we're, I grew up just with her, right? Like as, uh, like a single, it, it was not the Gilmore girls. I'll tell you this. It was more like Emily Gilmore and Lorelai, like actually a lot like that. Um, than it was like Rory and Lorelai. Um, and I also will say like, uh, I'm really proud of the strides we've made in the last four years and how close we are now. Just today I went over to her art studio and we painted, uh, pots. Like we had a little standing, I'd have to put things on my calendar. I've learned in order to make time uh, to do things like this. But um, we sat and painted pots. Like I got a new house plant. My friend Deidre will be so proud. She's so obsessed with plants. Um, so we painted them together and like had a nice afternoon together. And like, that's like a testament to this like full cup that I have where my relationship with my mom is a huge success in my life. And, um, and there's a really good quote about like success outside the home does not matter if the success, like you could be a millionaire outside the home, but if you're are like if your relationship with your family is trash like that's not a success it's not a successful life um or at least not in my view um i think like there's just i don't know we just don't give enough uh weight to how important our human relationships are for us but when you read anything about the people who are people who work with people who, who are dying like the thing that matters most to them is their relationships and that played out too with my grandmother she was always very proud of her business success as a real estate agent um, in Beverly Hills. But, um, and that's where she got a lot of her ego and her esteem, uh, that and her looks, she's very vain. Um, and she was a bombshell. Uh, but anyway, so grandmother, but at the very end, like I was there with her as she was dying. And, um, and I was like there, like hundred, like I was there all but like two hours in the day where I would take two hours to go have self care and make sure someone was with her. But, um, she really, it was the relationships in her life that mattered at the end. Um, and that really, I took that to heart, um, and really like kind of helped me figure out how I needed to grow as a person in order to be the kind of person who would have like durable, long lasting relationships. Um, and then also another big cup I have is my body image, but also like my self image that's really had to grow, um, in the last like 10 or so years. Like I got really good at body image in my twenties. Um, I learned to not vilify my fat body. Um, which I think is huge. I see very successful people who struggle with their body image. And I'm like, that's wild. Cause, <laughs> cause I did that, but I'm like, uh, still not yet the millionaire. I think I, I am excited to be someday. Um, but I love my body and I love myself and I don't see myself in a conflated way. Um, and I, that is tremendous. And even just the work I've done on my self image in the last year, I'm really proud of. Um, and I think there's just, that the, those are just two things that like really 
stand out for me. And then also like my health right now, like my mental, emotional, spiritual and physical health is really like where it's really aligned. And I was just reflecting today with my mom about how that has a lot to do with not traveling. I can't believe it. I love to travel. Travel is like a huge part of my life. Like I envision having kids and being on the road in an RV, like eight weeks a year in the summer times, you know, just really like exploring this country. I love road trips and I love travel, but like, it's really, really difficult to like maintain the habits I need for my mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health when I'm on the road. And so having this year, this opportunity when everything is all closed down to just really get rooted in what does that mean for me to, to experience health. And of course, I say this, like, this is just for me. You can choose what you want out of your life and whether health is important to you or not. Um, I don't think health is a moral imperative or anything we owe somebody else, but I'm proud of myself. And like, that's a full cup, right? But I think I get really waylaid when I think about my messy cups, right? Like the ones that are all strewn around, right? That aren't, that aren't where I thought they would be by now. And it's, it's all okay, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I've got all needs met. Like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing it, doing this podcast. Um, and if you want to support this podcast, the best way to support is my Patreon page. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N is a membership support site that allows folks like you to support creators like me who make work that enhances your life. And, uh, there's lots of people do Patreon with no benefits and you just support them because you like what they put out in the world. I offer some really fun membership perks, uh, behind that paywall. So starting at two bucks a month, uh, you'll get access to Bevan's Bites, which is a podcast of many episodes exclusive over on Patreon. Also, you get updates that I don't share anywhere else. Um, and uh, you get free access to all of my Zoom aerobics classes, which are Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, and it's a good time. There's a good steady group of regulars. And I just love connecting with y'all and dancing um, and teaching my aerobics class. Um, my aerobics class is called Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, which is for anybody who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. Um, if you've ever felt too fat or too awkward to dance uh, or been called too much, this is a supportive class for you. Um, and uh, for the $25 a month membership level, you get everything I described before and access to six on-demand aerobics classes at a time. They're all different time lengths um, and all different sort of flavors. And I, I cycle out the oldest one and do a new one every week. So essentially I'm teaching at least two classes a week. Plus sometimes I substitute for a high school body positive aerobics class. Um, so anyway, if you want to support the podcast, it's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. There's a link in the show notes. Um, I super appreciate all of you who already support the Patreon um, and help make this work sustainable. I am, because of the coronavirus, I am now like almost 100% supported by um, by the Patreon. And I'm so, so grateful for the people who enable me to create the work that is on my heart to do and to put out here for you. The podcast was definitely a calling. It was just something that was on my heart um, to, to get going and to get uh, sustaining. And it's so exciting for me to be with you. Um, this is my third solo in a row, which is rare, but um, I have some amazing, fun interviews lined up with some really powerful women um, in the near future. So you're going to get a streak of those. And um, I just love you so much. And I want you to know if you are worth it, if, if you're listening to this, you are worthy of love exactly as you are. There's nothing you need to change to be valuable. Um, everyone is a mess. 
Everyone has their own things they're working through, especially in this season and this time. And the coronavirus has affected people in really intense ways. And so is the election and all the unrest. And people just need a kind word and a kind smile and an understanding and also just a release of judgment around messes in general, right? Like I don't judge anybody for being a mess because I know everyone's a mess. And, um, and also I know it's not my place to judge. So anyway, I hope this helps. And I hope you'll come uh, swing by and say hi on Instagram sometime. I'm at Bevan's party. Okay. Talk soon or talk next week.